Hi friends, welcome back to the show, Bestowing the Brush. I'm your host, Dallas Noctegal. Thanks again for listening and encourage you to grab a cup of tea or have a notebook and write down some thoughts as you're listening. Today, we are going to be talking about drawing again, and I just want to share some thoughts. After those casts that I recorded about biomechanics, my mind has kept continuing to translate these thoughts more and more into other areas of life. I began to think more about the physicality of drawing, and it's something that we do with our bodies as well as our minds. So it's a physical discipline, even though it's not necessarily a high impact sport or something that you would think of as being so strenuous. So I'm going to read you something. I've already grown a goiter from this torture, hunched up here like a cat in Lombardy or anywhere else where the stagnant waters poison. My stomach squashed under my chin, my beards pointing at heaven, my brains crushed in a casket, my breast twists like a harpy's. My brush above me all the time dribbles paint so my face makes a fine floor for droppings. My haunches are grinding into my guts. My poor ass strains to work as a counterweight. Every gesture I make is blind and aimless. My skin hangs loose below me. My spine's all knotted up from folding over itself. I'm bent as taut as a Syrian bow. Because I'm stuck like this, my thoughts are crazy. Perfidious tripe. Anyone shoots badly through a crooked blowpipe. My painting is dead. Defend it for me, Giovanni. Protect my honor. I am not in the right place. I am not a painter. Have any of you heard this poem? Uh, This is Gail Mazur. Michelangelo to Giovanni da Pistoia when the author was painting the vault of the Sistine Chapel. These are some strong words and you can feel his pain and his agony through this process. It was not a good time in his life and I think it took him four years to complete it. If I'm remembering right, we studied Michelangelo this term in our artist study. So think of that. Think of completing one project over the course of that time. And probably a lot of you actually have if you've tried building a house or something like that or a business, hard work, and it can make your body hurt depending on what you're doing. So if you haven't guessed already, today we're talking about the physicality of drawing and my thoughts on this. And I have some advice and things you can try. So it involves quite a bit of your body. Besides the fact that you're using your mind and engaging even just a different part of your brain, as we've talked about, You're either standing or sitting, 
you're using your arm, shoulder, back, core, wrist, hand, finger, fingers. So let's talk about how you can do that better and how your students can learn how to do that properly without eventually turning out like Michelangelo. So let's get into it. Well, how are you currently drawing? Do you have your paper or notebook down before you at a table where the paper at the top is further away from you than the paper near your body? Or are you using an easel or a drawing horse or just maybe even your arm if you're especially in the field doing a nature journal entry or something? You may just be holding it in your non-dominant arm as your dominant hand is writing or sketching. Well, my first thought is think of how this may be affecting the visual accuracy of your drawing. When your paper is laying down on a table with the top of the paper further away from you than the bottom, you will notice that there's a perspective wonkiness probably to your drawing because your eye sees the bottom of your drawing more clearly than it even sees the top of your drawing due to the shift in elevation and the way your eye is looking across the page. This is the same idea as why in on streets they mark the word stop or any other word across the street that you have to see. They use a very long, tall typeface and it might even be broken up a little bit so that as your eye is looking across the street at it, it squishes into, you're flattening it with your eyes so that you're seeing it at a normal typography height and it says stop very clearly. That's what's happening with your drawing and it's not gonna be as drastic of a foreshortening and that's the term that we use for that. That's called foreshortening. Another way to look at that is if you tell someone to stand in front of you and put their arm out at your eye level, you see really large fingertips near your face and then as their arm recedes back into space, from the way it's coming across your eyes, their arm looks short if you were to record that on a page. So many artists have to draw things foreshortened all the time. Bodies in motion are foreshortened and lengthened depending on how they're in space. So that is one thing you can think about as you are drawing. A possible solution you can have for this is to get a clipboard or a masonite drawing board where they have two clips at the top or just a piece of masonite with a couple of metal clips. I'm not remembering the name of them at the top to hold your 
larger paper if you're using large paper. And you can prop up a drawing board onto a table or against a wall and draw with your paper perpendicular to your face, your eyes, your line of vision. So that will make the whole part of your drawing in the correct perspective and the way the drawing in the area relates to each other will probably look like it makes a lot more sense if you are drawing at that vantage point from it. Another thing that you can do is to rig up some sort of easel where you're standing, or you may have an easel too. You can easily put a drawing board on an easel, hook it to it. It usually has clamps where you can clamp the top and the bottom. And if they're really fancy, they can adjust the angle to make it angled down more at the top or angled straight up more. So think about how investing in some of those tools can help you in your drawing, either if you are serious about drawing things and especially larger things on larger pieces of paper, I'm meaning. And if you are drawing in a nature notebook, just see if you can find a way to get your paper more upright so you're seeing your whole surface of your paper at a correct vantage point. Now, if you're doing nature journaling, you might have a paintbrush or a watercolor pen that has the water inside that I've talked about before. And you might be thinking, how does that work when you're trying to draw at that angle with that particular tool? Well, you may just want to practice and play with it a little bit because we're, all of our bodies are different. So you might have shorter arms, longer arms. You might need your notebook at a higher or a lower place and just um, do a few strokes. Try as a lot of people in Charlotte Mason recommend because of brush drawing tutorials and um, reading that I've done on that that they used to do in the schools. They pointed the, the back part of the paintbrush away from them and then tried to have as minimal amount of their hand on the paper as possible and then you're stroking away from you so then if you have your paper more upright it would more it would be more like stroking up but it's also sort of away from your chest then with a watercolor pen with the water in the back of it you will have to think about how gravity is going to pull a little bit more water out of the paintbrush that way. So you may need to fill your brush with a little bit more paint in order to get the color that you need and not something completely too watered down. And then you can also think about not holding it obviously with the bristles upward because then no water will come out of your brush. And I've, I've come across that problem. I've 
I'm also just learning watercolor pen along with a lot of you. It's not been a, a medium that I've used a lot. And so it's been really fun to learn and it's just come with its own challenges and me figuring out how I need to do strokes and how I want to lay color down and lines down. So think about how the gravity is hurting you or helping you in your drawing. I'm just going to tell you that drawing from just your fingers is a really bad idea because you'll probably end up making really short movements with your brush, your pen, your crayon, your charcoal. And that's just due to you have a very small piece of your body moving the object across the paper. So it is not going to have a huge range of motion and it's going to cause you to have to stop the line short, continue the line again, stop it short. You end up with a very choppy looking line as you're trying to get your marks in. So then if you move up from there, drawing from the wrist, same thing. You're only going to have a wrist's worth of range of motion. Drawing from the elbow, you'll get a little bit more, but try drawing from your shoulder. Drawing from your shoulder will give you your longest line. It will also help you spread out your drawing movement across more muscle groups. So in turn, that will make it more graceful. It will make it less of an impact to each particular muscle. And so that's just true in the rest of your body. If you're spreading out your motions and your weight bearing across more muscle groups, joints, and areas of the body, each of those places will be getting less impact when spread over them. Just try it out. Try on a piece of paper, and even it can be with a pencil, because this is just a test. Um, draw a few lines, maybe even if you're looking at something that you're trying to draw, draw a few lines, just moving your fingers. Then draw a few lines with drawing from your just wrist, then your elbow, then try with your shoulder. And you may notice that when you try drawing from your shoulder, you're not quite sure how to hold your utensil. Try holding your drawing utensil more upright and not like you would writing copy work with your paper on the table. And I'm just actually not sure how to describe what I'm saying. So I'm probably going to have to take a picture of my hand with writing a copywork sentence versus what I'm talking about drawing from the shoulder with the hand on drawing paper. It's, it's definitely something to get used to, but you will notice your lines being a lot more graceful and accurate and straight and also quickness in your line from the shoulder is a lot easier than quickness in a line 
from any of the other parts of your arm from your shoulder down. Try that little experiment and maybe you'll understand what I'm talking about. And then I will post a picture of the different um, drawing utensil hand gripping ideas that I mentioned. We've talked about easels and drawing or actually I did not talk about a drawing horse. If you don't know what a drawing horse is, it's a bench with two legs and you're sitting across it like a horse. And then there's a piece that comes out of the front of it that you prop your drawing board up against. And usually there's little brackets in the end of your bench up by the piece that comes up and it it supports your drawing board there and then you lay it against the back of that piece that comes up. That's a really great thing to have if you're in a small space because a lot of them fold up or you can make one that folds up or you can rig something up to make it do what a drawing horse does something like a child's stool or if you have a little bit of a longer bench the idea is that you're you still have your upper body upright but now your legs can relax and you're just probably going to have to try out those two different tools if you're willing to be invested more in the pursuit of drawing so I think that's all I have to say about that. Let me know what you think of those if you try those. Now let's talk about the posture if you are standing in an easel or if you were sitting at a drawing horse. A lot of these things I learned from reading all the biomechanic material over the summer. Standing and you know, they say that sitting is the new smoking, which is funny. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, it's certainly not the, the greatest for your body, but you can manage it for short amounts of time if you do it the right way. On a drawing horse, it's good because you don't want to have anything supporting your back so that you don't slouch back into it. And then it's compressing your lumbar spine. So you want to be sitting with no back support ideally, so that you're asking your core to be engaged. Your ribs can go down, which en engages your core. Um, the main thing that you wanna think about is untucking your pelvis on a, a sitting surface like that. And really, if you're in nature too, if you're just sitting down on the floor, um, cross-legged or on the knees or with your legs spread out in a v-sit in front of you any sitting position you're going to want to untuck your pelvis so that means don't tuck it under to where you're sitting on your sacrum you want to have your sacrum relieved of pressure and then also think about moving your chin backwards and slightly up so that you're rocking your head to be sitting on your 
neck properly instead of jutting your chin out in front of you, which then compresses your thoracic spine below your neck. That That is a habit that I think I've gotten into over the course of my life. When you're drawing, you just want to see better what you're drawing. And because we don't quite know how to use our bodies all the time, that for me has meant a lot of chin thrusting forward. So your headaches that you get maybe are caused by that. If you do a lot of time in front of a computer, that happens too. office work, um, just reading a book too. anything where you have something in front of you that especially if you have poorer vision or wear glasses, you tend to bring that chin right in front. So think about rolling it back up and tucking your chin and then you'll feel how it relieves pressure in the back of your neck. It's wonderful. So, and then let's see, the last thing is vision, eyes. First of all, if you or your student can't see, then get your eyes checked because you can't really draw if you can't see. Um, yeah, I mean, it might sound silly, but I, I don't think I've had my kids checked for vision. So mental to-do list right there. Probably won't draw well if you can't see well. But really what I wanted to say about eyes is that some recent studies have shown that children who spend most of their time indoors, they're finding higher cases of myopia, which is nearsightedness. And that could also be due to the prevalence of screens and tablets and phones and media like that, where it's only asking your eyes to strain to see things in front of you that are in your immediate area of vision. So making your eyes see things that are further away actually has a relaxing effect because your eye muscles do have to relax to see things farther away. So something I've thought about in our drawing endeavors here is that I should not only be asking my children and myself to just be drawing things that are less than six feet away from me, that we need to be drawing things at a whole entire range of our vision. So that can mean the tree across the street. It can mean a landscape, which really stretches the vision and gets you seeing way more things out in front of you. It is really cool to me how God made our eyes to adjust to different light situations, to recognize color, to get that depth of field. You know, people that only have one functioning eye, they see with no depth perception. So just think about all the things that your eyes do and then think about 
stretch be, drawing being a good way to stretch your or rather not stretch relax your eye muscles and be a rest for your body and for your mind and then think about too drawing from a landscape view can be ultra restful because it rests that logic part of your brain and you're resting the function of your eye that you use most of the time, which is six feet in front of you or less. Eyes, they're amazing. So we talked about um, foreshortening and perspective on your page. We talked about drawing from the arm and instead of the elbow, wrist, hand, finger. Talked a little bit about sitting on a drawing horse. Okay, and then finally, standing at an easel. Um, the main things are to stand with your weight in your heels. So you're going to want to back up your pelvis to be in a plumb line over your heels. That will put the weight bearing on the correct part of your body from your waist down. Um, you're going to also want to drop your ribs so that you're not arching your back and straining your lower lumbar spine. And then in turn, making your chin jut out in front of you because now you've changed the geometry of your spinal curvature. And so that will also engage your core. So it will mobilize your arm better just by virtue of your your core being engaged and your back not straining. And then, yep, back that chin up. And that actually also causes you to use different muscles in your eyes because now you're seeing more out of the tops of your eyes instead of looking down through the lower part of your vision. And then the other thing you don't want to do is you don't want to bend your knees. You want to have relaxed kneecaps, um, release your quadricep muscles, which is your, your upper thigh between your knee and your pelvic bone. You don't want to have those turned on, but you want to be putting your weight in your hips and using your hamstrings, your large muscle of your hamstrings in the back to hold you up. And then also think too about put, pointing your feet straight forward and not turning your toes outward or bowing your toes in with your ankles rotated inward. I think the more of these adjustments that you make while you're drawing, and if you can be conscious of it, I know that drawing is a very in the zone type thing. So just do what you can work on one habit at a time. And maybe if you're not even experiencing any pain while drawing or strain, then don't worry about it for now. But if you want to do this long term, you will probably have to think about how it's going to affect your body over time. So uh, in the field, find a comfortable spot and take a couple breaks too. If you've been drawing for 15 minutes, walk away, rest your eyes, try to look out further. If you're drawing something up close, 
So that's with, if you're indoors too, it's a good idea to take a break every few minutes, look at something far away, refocus. You can still stay in the zone, but just give your eyes a rest. And then too, looking at your drawing from far away gives you a lot of perspective on what you need to work on next, areas that you need to fill in that you were neglecting or something hopefully that you could correct while the drawing is still new. And you can sometimes only notice those things by looking at it further back instead of right up close to it. All right, I hope these thoughts were organized enough and hopefully you will be in less pain because of some of these suggestions or you'll just be able to draw and enjoy yourself more if you're thinking about how our bodies and our minds are tied together. So happy drawing and I will see you next episode. Bye folks.